Hello and Happy New Year. It's Paul Scott here, writer of the Small Cap Valley Reports on Stockopedia for the last 12 years and professional investor for 21 years. Prior to that, I was an FD for eight years. And prior to that, I flunked my finals exams in my chartered accountancy training with Pricewaterhouse. So that's my life in an in snapshot. Anyway, uh, yeah, great to get really enjoyed getting back into the flow with our small caps reporting in the first week of January. I see that the indices have um, uh, succumbed to a bit of profit taking this week. Nothing alarming. It's all within the usual sort of uh, ups and downs that you expect to see. So, um, I mean, the, the November and December rally in um, 2023 was was staggeringly powerful and it's quite normal I think to see a bit of a pullback so I'm not I'm not concerned by anything and I think some of the small caps I follow have just risen too fast uh, too too fast and too far and I'm not surprised to see some some of them uh, people wanting to bank a profit um, I think that's a good idea incidentally also I'm drawing up I'm I'm, I'm planning another article where I'm going to cover about um, 40 uh, share ideas in the small cap space, which I've made onto a manual list on my notepad as being um, a buy-the-dips list. So this is stuff I personally want to buy, but I'm not prepared to chase the price any higher than it is at the moment. So a good example would be Warpaint, W7L, which regulars will know we absolutely love that share. I think management are great. I did a really interesting interview with them uh, last year. And um, but I've never actually bought any because it always seemed to be just a little bit too pricey. And then when it did dip, I ummed and erred and didn't buy any. So I've missed a, um, a, a really good potential gain there that I should have had, given that I've always been, well, for the last two years, I've been very keen on the share. So anyway, I thought I need to, f- instead of my scattergun approach, I need to have a list of things that I actually want to buy on the dips. So when I've written that article, probably be in about a week's time, I'll post it up for you to have a look at. As always, never recommendations. We're not in the business of recommending shares at all. The whole ethos of me and Stockopedia, of course, as a site, is uh, do your own research. We gen- genuinely want to, people to do that. It's not a disclaimer. Um, the site is all about providing you with um, the data tools and the education. And, of course, um, with Graham and I and occasional help from Roland, it's the um, just flinging ideas at you for you to then research in depth because we can only do, we covered over 609 companies. Uh, it's nearly half the market in 2023, so we can't go into a lot of depth. So we might miss things. Uh, also, incidentally, I'd like to, I'm hoping to involve Roland more in 2024. That's currently in negotiations because the small cap value reports are what the readers want. And so we need to do more of what works, in my view. I'll come on to more general points. I've got quite a few of them jotted down on my pad for the... I'll do those towards the end. Let's rattle through the four reports we had in this shortened uh, first week of January. So I started off my uh, our report rather on Tuesday, 2nd of January, 2024. Oh, I'm recording this on 6th... 6th... So difficult to say, isn't it? 6th of January 2024, which is Saturday lunchtime. Then the sun's just come out in Bournemouth, so I'm going to have a nice little meander down to the uh, sea. I'm, it's dry January, of course, for me. My By far my most productive month of the year. I spent most of December completely sozzled, um, as I expect quite a few of you did. Um, so I really enjoy uh, January just having a health, health, health type of approach. And yeah, I'm already feeling a lot uh, well, a little bit perkier. Uh, lost a couple of pounds already. So yeah, I'm going to go for a nice brisk walk along Bournemouth Seafront after I've recorded this. And uh, yeah, there we go. So right, I started off Tuesday the 2nd of January's report with four links to really interesting articles. First one was Ed runs this NAPS, NAPS uh, system. Now that stands for uh, No Admin... Is it No Admin? No admin portfolio system. It's basically a portfolio that picks... It's been running... This is the 10th year now Ed's run this. Uh, Ed, obviously, the boss at Stockopedia, founder, all-round great guy. Um, (laughs) I've got to say that, haven't I? (laughs) But no, he really is. Everyone loves Ed. How could you not? And um, what was I going to say? Yes. uh, Now, this NAP system, it basically picks... Uh, 20 of the highest stock rank shares. The stock ranks are obviously Stockopedia's proprietary growth, value and momentum scoring system, which works brilliantly. I love it. It's a key tool in my armoury. 
It, I, I use it to sense check everything I do as much as anything and to come up with good ideas. It's a fantastic system. Anyway, Ed, you've run this automated portfolio driven by the stock ranks that only basically needs one hour's work every year. And it's massively outperformed the market over, the te- over a 10-year period. It's had two lacklustre years in 2023 and 2022, which Ed has written a very thoughtful article about here um, which is a really interesting read. So have a look at that. That was published on 31st of December. But Ed basically drills into the numbers and uh, assesses the, the randomness or not of, of results. And But anyway, the bottom line is it's thrashed all other similar, um, uh, all other, be- you know, benchmark type funds in the sector. It's beaten all of them over 10 years. So that is good enough for me. Now, what was the second article I linked to? Oh, Megan reviewed how the stock rank system performed in 2023. Uh, some good data and interesting conclusions and some good charts on that. So have a look at that. I thought that was very interesting. And then Graham's, uh, this is the best article of the week, I have to say, Graham's review of 2023, where his, that's Graham, obviously my co-writer of the Small Cap Value Reports, Graham Neary, who's fantastic, absolute dream to work with, and just a brilliant writer and a, and a superb analyst. Uh, he's a, a former fund manager, he really knows his stuff, and he proved it. His 2023 top 10 share ideas, they're not recommendations we always always emphasize that but his top 10 went up 25 percent 25 percent isn't that amazing um anyway graham did a review of his portfolio picks he's also published another terrific article detailing his top 10 for 2024 so obviously these are for subscribers only so sign up get do get your free trial for two weeks if you want to read those articles and we hope you stay with us that's the idea um And finally, I did a review of 2023 myself. Now, I delivered a more pedestrian return than Graham. I only managed 17%, but that was over 20 shares, uh, which beat AIM, and they were overwhelmingly AIM-listed. That beat AIM by 25%, because AIM was down 8%. I was up 17%. So I think that's a pretty damn good um, uh, uh, performance. Oh, I've just remembered I, I went through all that last week, didn't I? So anyway, those are the four articles that I, I linked to. I'm going to do that more often this year. I'm going to link to other interesting articles on Stockopedia at the top of the Small Cap Value Report so that it's not a sort of isolated thing, but it's it, it, we link to the rest of the site as well. Now, um, what have we got here? Uh, oh, only two companies reporting on Tuesday the 2nd. We looked at HVivo. That's the company name. The ticket is HVO. Now, I'm really, really uh, liking this company. This is the one that it calls itself a world leader in testing infectious and res- respiratory disease products using human challenge clinical trials. So it basically... Um, tests out, uh, you know, like drug or medicine trials by injecting uh, hapless volunteers with the with the bug in question and seeing how it uh, affects them. So good old volunteers, I say, Um, uh, you know, anyway, the the point is HVivo claims, which I struggle to believe, but, you know, look, this is their claim. They reckon they're the only only credible people doing this and so it makes good margins it's come from nothing in the last three or four years uh, in terms of financial performance which is now really really good they get paid up front they 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 keep winning contracts and that was the news on uh, Tuesday 2nd of January it's won another big contract 6.3 million tends to get the money up front I think this is looking like one of the most interesting growth companies on the UK market the only drawback is that shares have done really really well in the last few months like a lot of things it's up to 25 and a half p i went through all the numbers again and i've concluded here because the forecasts keep being raised and they still look uh beatable i've concluded that despite the uh big share price rise in hvivo i still think it's actually okay value um, so I'm yeah I'm getting really more and more positive on HVivo so that one's definitely going on my buy uh, buy the dips list. Uh, I did actually hold some last year annoyingly, but I got bored and sold them. You know that's the trouble, isn't it? If a share just sort of goes to sleep for a few months, it's so tempting when you find something else just to just to cut some of those positions. And I, I don't know about you, but I find if I trim a position once, it's only a matter of usually a few more days or weeks till I've sold the lot. 
you kind of break your 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 link with it, don't you? When you when you top slice something, well, I, I can do some. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So anyway, I missed out on H Vivo, which is a pity because we've been writing positively about it. But I'm not necessarily any good at actually actually managing my own portfolio. I, I make plenty of mistakes, as does everybody. If people claim to get everything right, you know they're they're full of BS. Now, this was a stressful day. Oh, dear, Tuesday, 2nd of January. Out comes an announcement from Plexus Holdings, POS. As regulars know, this is by far my largest position. I've done very, very well on it. I spotted it when it was about 4p, and it shot up to a peak of 29p last last year. And it was my biggest position, so I made uh, uh, made a very, very big profit on it. I've given back quite a bit of that now, but I'm not concerned by that because it wasn't a trade. It's a, a long-term thing. Now, initially, when I read the he- headline of the RNS, it said $5.2 million license with SLB, the new name for Schlumberger. So I got, you know, I started getting butterflies thinking, oh, my God, this is fantastic, blah, blah, blah. But as I read the announcement, it seemed muddled. I didn't really fully understand it. And it seemed to be that they'd given up a potential future royalty stream. They've not received any royalties from Schlumberger as yet. Um, and it seems to be they've, they've, they've forfeited the future royalties in return for $5.2 million, which doesn't seem that much, 4 million quid. So the RNS really raised more questions than it answered. So the shares opened up 10%, but then gradually as the day went on, they really started dropping. Um, and so I, I put a call in and asked if I could have a chat with management just to clarify what this actually meant. So I had a very good um, chat with management and I posted the key points on Stockopedia. Um, what they, they, they Obviously, I'm taking this on trust because they've been completely straight with me um, to date. And I think they're very, very transparent uh, people who, who just told me, uh, you know, the, the facts, warts and all to date. So I trust people uh, who, who, who do that. What they basically said is I said to them, look, have you sold off the family silver? Because that what that's what the market seems to be reading this RNS as saying. And they say, no, absolutely not. And actually, you can see that Proactive, they put out a video the next day through Proactive because they realised that the market had misinterpreted this, so they wanted to clarify it. So have a look on Proactive's website. It's a seven or eight minute uh, video with Ben, uh, ben van, van der Bilderby, uh, uh, which is which I think goes some way to clarifying it. I'm still a little bit confused, I have to say. But the upshot of it is this. They said... They initially they, they said straight away on my call with them, yes, we know the RNS was, was, was confusing, it wasn't ideal, blah, blah, blah. What happened, basically, they produced an original draft RNS which explained everything in great detail, but then, due to client confidentiality, it couldn't go out. So, basically, they had to massively redact the RNS and put out uh, only the snippets that the customer was happy to be to be released, which basically only told us... You know, part of the story, and obviously I never ask for or get inside information, so I didn't ask them to to clarify any further details, and they wouldn't have done anyway um, because they can't. So, <clears throat> but they said basically the core message is we couldn't tell the market and investors what we wanted to tell you because of client confidentiality. But trust us, this is a good deal, and um, no, we have definitely not sold off the family silver. What they're saying is this is a non-core activity that Schlumberger has paid them $5.2 million cash up front because they want to get out there and um, get low-cost, um, high-volume wellheads um, out there in the market, which then hopefully will make Posgrip, which is the uh, technology that Plexus owns and has been perpetually licensed to Schlumberger, the the idea is it then makes that the industry standard. Now, this is obviously going to be, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's uh, maybe over the next few years. And Ple- where Plexus um, works is on big, bespoke projects. For example, the £8 million special project that they're currently working on, which is making the current year um, actually profitable. And then the, the, the £5.2 million license income is over and above that. So the forecasts have been up very considerably, and Plexus is now in the middle of a year that is going to be highly profitable. Um, it all, now, the $5.2 million sorts out the cash issue. So this greatly de-risks the share, you know, because we've the main question mark over it was solvency, dilution. That's been solved at a stroke. So actually... 
I'm um, the, the downside risk has been drastically improved uh, by this announcement. So I'm actually quite upbeat about it. Um, what were the other points? I think those are the core ones. Yeah, and there are numerous... This is just a, a niche area, but Plexus has um, fingers in lots of other pies, like, for example, um, the plug and abandonment area. They're expanding rapidly into that. They've still got that intact. Um, subsea wellheads, I think, is it seems to be a bit of an overlap between the two. But the bottom line is... Um, this deal with Schlumberger sorts out the company's cash position and um, it makes it highly profitable in the current year. Um, and basically they've got lots of fingers in other pies that they're all developing. And for 17 million market cap, it's dirt cheap, I think. So, uh, as I say, I haven't fully got my head around all of this. Um, and I do understand why some people panic sold. I remember I was on the 341 bus in London going from my base in Canterbury, North London, to Waterloo. And sitting on the upper deck, I was looking at my share prices uh, and my, watching my, my SIP absolutely plummeting. Plexus, I think, dropped from 21p down to 13p intraday. So at that point, I just started doing some uh, trading on my, on my phone on the upper deck of the 341. And I, and I ditched my, I banked my profits in Cornerstone FS, made about a 60% profit in that. Purely, and I also banked my profits in Revolution Bars purely to raise money. Um, to buy more Plexus. So I bought as many Plexus, literally as many as I could buy. I kept putting the at about 14p, which has worked out all right, actually, because they ended the week at about 16.5p, uh, and it was obviously oversold at that level. Somebody, don't know who, was panic selling. It's not usually a good idea to panic sell unless there's some solvency problem at a company and the 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 statement from plexus was the complete opposite of a solvency problem it resolved the solvency uh, issues and the dilution risk so anyway whoever it was who was dumping stock at 13p has made a bit of a cock up but they've handed um, a bargain on a plate to me so i'm i've topped right back up to uh, my my maximum position size on plexus and we'll just have to see what happens look it's it's highly volatile it is speculative but uh, a lot of the things in the fundamentals are really going right now. It all hinges now on winning some more big contracts. That's what it's all about. It's going to be news flow driven. I'm hoping for, and I think there are good reasons to believe, that uh, the business now has a very strong industry and environmental tailwind. And I've just got to sit back and wait, see what the what contract wins happen. And we don't know, there's no guarantees, we don't know what's going to happen. But I think, what, 15, 16 million market cap now fully funded with five, five and a half million cash, uh, 3.5 million net cash forecast for June 2024 uh, uh, by, by a new note from Cavendish. Have a look at the note from Cavendish and have a look at the video from, from the CEO and see what you think. Um, it's not going to suit everybody, I get that, but I'm very happy with it. So um, let's, just, let's just see what happens. It's a medium-term hold for me. I think they've got a big market opportunity. Um, what's it worth? Oh, well, I'm sticking to my view that it's worth, as things stand now, I think between 30 and 50 million quid, uh, which is about 30 to 50p per share because it's just over 100, 105 million shares. Longer term, if we get in some more big contracts, this thing could really go to 100 million plus. I still think that's, um, that's, that's the potential that I'm in it for. Um, no guarantees it'll happen, so we'll see. Oh, and just reviewing the reader comments on 2nd of January's report as well. There's lots of people sort of writing very in very authoritative tones. That's that's the style at the moment, isn't it, on the internet, about, you know, either emphatically that Plexus is rubbish or that it's marvellous. All I would say is it's so complicated. I don't believe that anybody in our, in our network necessarily fully understands the business. It's highly complex, um, and I certainly don't. Um, I just go for things like uh, triple-digit percentage revenue growth. That's one of the best uh, signals for multi-baggers, in my experience. And the revenue growth for this year for Plexus is going to be about 800% growth. Now, that might be a one-off good year. We don't know yet. Um, also, moving from persistent losses into a profit, that's another key signal I look for. Um, but let's not kid ourselves that we're all... Uh, all-knowing and all-wise. I'm certainly not, and neither are the readers on there. And your usual culprits took a little, couple of cheap pot shots at me over Plexus. Uh, it's to be expected. It's, it happens.
People can't help it sometimes. Oh, the other thing the readers were discussing, and thank you for flagging this, is the uh, disruption to container shipping. Um, Tortoise Investor points out here and put a very useful chart showing that the cost of container rates uh, hit a low of $600 in October last year. Remember, this was, was it $20,000 at the peak of the, of the lockdowns? Uh, so it was only 600 in October, and it's spiked up now to 2,800. That's a big increase, isn't it? So I think we've got to watch this container shipping issue. And funnily enough, Next mentioned that disruption to the Suez Canal uh, is one of its potential risks for this year. So I don't think it's at crisis level, but I think it's something we need to keep uh, an eye on. Right, on to Wednesday, 3rd of January. This was so quiet. I didn't remember it being this quiet in the first week of January in previous years. But anyway, it has been this year. But we had more than enough to write about. Now, I only did one share on this day. Graham had other things to do. So I, he said to me, look, there's no point in me writing. We had some garbage on the to-do list for absolute rubbish nanocats. And I said, Graham, it's, it's a waste of time writing on them. Why don't you go off and do something else, you know, prepare your year-end reviews? And uh, he said, yes, I'll do that. So we agreed on that. Uh, now, so I covered Interseed IGP. This is the, um, oh, what is it? It's a, a niche software business based in Lutterworth, which has the most astonishing um, US client list, including all these US government departments. And five out of the six of the world's largest aerospace companies, you name it, they've got the most incredible client list, which is why I took a, I've taken a close interest in this company now for over five years. Uh, I did sell them um, in 2021, I think, unfortunately, which is a pity because it's it announced a major new contract. Oh, it does cyber security credential management. So sort of two factor uh, sign ins, you know, when you when you when you get sent a, a thing to your phone, giving you a six digit code. It's in that sort of space, but it does the, the high end stuff. But also it's broadening its market penetration into more mainstream ways. And it's had a, a comprehensive turnaround under the CEO, who I rate very highly, Klaus van der Liest, who's done a great job there in the last five years. Well, it's finally bearing fruit. In December, they announced a huge one off perpetual license win, which has absolutely transformed um, the figures for the current year. But that is a one off. But then in, in the, on the 3rd third, third of January this year, it announces another major contract win, not as big as the previous one. Uh, anyway, I won't go into all the details. See Wednesday's report, 3rd of January, for Interseed. And the more I wrote about this, the more I think, bloody hell, I should be in this share. But it's gone up from about, again, it's gone up from about 40p to about a quid. Anyway, I'd, after after I talked myself into buying some by writing this report. So anyway, I think it was the next day or later that day, I, I dipped my toe in with an initial purchase of Interseed. So I'm back in it and I'm very pleased, very happy to be back in Interseed. It's only a small position about... 2% of my portfolio or something like that. And I put it... I'd, funnily enough, before this contract win, a couple of days earlier, I'd put it into seed into my top 20 list of share ideas for 2024. And it's gone up about 10% or so. So I got lucky on that one, because obviously I didn't know it was about to win another contract. But uh, into seed, yeah, have a look at it. Have a fresh look at it. I think it looks very interesting. Oh, the readers were talking about something called Huddles, H-U-D. Uh, this used to be iMotion, Motion. Uh, I had a look at the shares of, 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 of fizzed into life this year. I had a look at it. I cannot see why people like this one bit. Uh, admittedly, I've only... It's a website that does sort of end-of-line cheap discounted goods. Um, but it, it's loss-making. It's small, rapid growth, but loss-making. I can't see anything that appeals at all about this, but um, I just had a fairly brief look at it. But look, some of the readers think it's interesting, so make your own mind up on that. Oh, yeah, it's a website called Discount Dragon. Um, but it's, you know, it's loss-making. It's tiny. <laughs> As usual, whenever Janos 1 is involved, the uh, discussion becomes unpleasant and fractious. And... <laughs> <laughs> who did he lock horns with here? Oh, Edward J.W., who, uh, who, after a bit of a back and forth, concludes, uh, well done on making a profit on investing in a rubbish loss-making company. <laughs> Love it. We don't normally like those sorts of comments, but I, I must admit, I do get a sort of... Uh, I do sometimes find them quite amusing.
Oh, it's quite funny. The way I view Stockopedia is that the um, in threaded list, the, uh, as there are more and more backs and forth, the posts get narrower and narrower because I have to use an enlarged f- a font because I'm blind as a bat. And actually, in this particular thread, it got down to a point where it was one word per line, and the next post is one letter per line. So it looks absolutely hilarious. Anyway, get back to, get back on track, Paul. Let's let's be serious. Oh, there was talk discussion on Foxtons as well, which was tipped in the Telegraph, it seems. Oh, here we are. I found my reply about Plexus, where I summarised the key points from my brief chat. Well, it wasn't brief. It was about 40-minute chat with management. Uh, so just to reiterate, uh, point one, they know the RNS explained it badly, but they had to redact it. Point two, yes, SLB drove a hard bargain but management took a commercial decision that getting cash in now was more valuable than waiting potentially years for an unknown royalty stream. And they're just basically saying, trust us, we've made the right decision for the business. Uh, it's uh, cheap, um, cheap high-volume wellheads are, are uh, not an activity that Plexus is involved in, so it's non-core. So they were happy to bring in $5.2 million for an, a non-core product. Uh, I challenged the management CEO and said, uh, how much has this deal diminished the upside by? And the CEO came straight back at me and said, this has not diminished the upside one bit. He was absolutely emphatic on that. Obviously, I'm taking that on trust. Uh, He also pointed out the company's never given any forecasts as to what royalties it was expecting from the original SLB deal. So, you know, people can't point to the company as having over-egged it because it never told us what it was expecting from that deal anyway. Maybe I was guilty of, you know, overestimating what that deal might be worth. So it's probably more my fault than the management's fault. Um, And, oh, this was the other thing. He said, read the announcement again and read the quote from SLB, which is Schlumberger, where they rave about Plexus's technology. And it's it's gone through all testing with flying colours. Um, so this kind of proves up the 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 pos grip method of engineering, which has numerous other other um, areas for our application. So the, there's actually some quite good positives to this, I think. But you know, it, it, we'll see how it plays out over time. But my week was completely dominated by Plexus. And obviously, because it did finish the week, I think at a bid price of 16p, I've started the year with my portfolio significantly down, unfortunately, because I'm overweight in Plexus. But that's my choice. And I know I know the risk and reward. And I don't. And it doesn't bother me because I'm not geared on it. So I'm just uh, my view on the company hasn't changed at all. So, um, you know, you've got to be, be able to ride out these blips, I think. It's no good panicking and using stop losses on this type of share, in my opinion. Well, you can't use a stop loss when you've got 3% of the company anyway. So that's that. I'm slightly below. I think I'm I'm 2.7% of the company, but it's a lot anyway, but not as much as it was a week ago. These things happen. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, that was the other thing. Um, The CEO made it clear at Plexus that they're they're not enamoured with the North Sea um, drilling prospects. He's he's, he's very unhappy with the the authorities. Uh, They should be pushing Plexus, but they're not. And hence why they're now they're they're looking at overseas markets as well now. And he mentioned, and they got the money to go out to shows and present the technology to places like Mexico and the Far East. And so you know you could see some quite inter- interesting uh, international expansion as well. Right on to Thursday, fourth of January, twenty twenty four. This was much more interesting. We had some decent quantity, quantity and quality of companies to get stuck into. So Graham and I wrote about six companies. I started off with Likewise, L-I-K-E. This is the Challenger uh, Carpets Floor Coverings company set up by a former um, CEO of Headlam, H-E-A-D, which is the market leader. I like that. It's so cheap, Headlam is. I put that on my 2024 Value Garp um, top 20, but purely for valuation and balance sheet support. It's not trading particularly well. Anyway, Likewise put out a reassuring update Um for calendar 2023. I've described it here as a thorn in the side of Headlam. Um, It's only in line with uh, expectations on profit, but I think there is quite interesting potential upside, but likewise, if it can really scale up. It's at a reasonable size already. I think it's about a quarter of Headlam's revenue. Um, 
it's low margin stuff. You know, these carpet distributors, they basically have big warehouses, distribution centres, and then all the independent uh, carpet retailers obviously can't keep a huge range of carpets in stock, so Headlam does it for them. And then they just call off the cuts, the, the type of carpet and the size for each room that their customers order. And then, you know, uh, likewise in Headlam, add on a 30 or 40% uplift, and that's how they make the money. So... Um, I'm worried it might be a race to the bottom on on low margins, though, with Headlam and, and likewise. I couldn't go above Amber and likewise. I think I need to see more evidence of it becoming a consistently profitable business and scaling up a bit further. But I do think it looks interesting. I might have gone Amber Green on that instead of just Amber. Maybe I was a bit stingy. But, yeah, I think it looks interesting anyway, likewise. Have a look at it. Now, Graham looked at Truefin, T-R-U. He doesn't like that. Uh, missed its revenue forecast by a wide margin, he says. Uh, what else? Oh, Angle. Now, oh, no, well, I've added a little innovation. I've added in the summary section, I've added quick comments on today's movers. So it, we, we won't write a big section on it. If we see a price move, a large percentage up or down, and there's an RNS going with it, we'll just put up a quick comment on it. Now, Angle ended up, I wrote about it when it was up 55%. This is the liquid biopsy company. Uh, and um, I think it ended up the day over 100% up. It's been around donkey's years, 20-odd years, Angle has. Perpetual jam tomorrow thing. But anyway, it put out a very nice-sounding update saying breakthrough clinical results so i've said here it could be an interesting higher risk punt um <clears throat> but every time in the past we've had spikes up on good news it fizzles out and obviously over the 20 years it's destroyed a huge amount of shareholder value so i'm 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 not negative on it i'm just saying the past has been negative um so if some if you think something dramatic has changed for the better then maybe you you could get lucky who knows angle yeah it does sound quite interesting i followed it for donkey's years but again these speculative loss making things we don't tend to focus on because we're writing a small cap value report and growth at reasonable price we can't really be expected to judge the prospects of blue sky jam tomorrow cash burning loss making companies like angle so uh but i thought i'd just flag that it had a big rise i think it retraced a fair bit the next day actually so you know it's always going to happen isn't it people are going to bank the profits if something goes up 100 percent. anyway the similar sort of thing on a much smaller scale was shearwater swg 12 million market cap contract wins i think look quite good actually so i've just flagged up here uh could be worth a fresh look swg uh yeah deals with major customers is something i like they've announced 0.8 million deal with the uk government department and a def- delayed 3.2 million dollar deal um was has also come through so uh yeah right sorry i uh, just had to go out and chat to a neighbor that was just um outside uh where was i shearwater yes i think that looks quite interesting contract wins have a look at it and let me know what you think. Uh, the balance sheet, I've said here, looks adequate. It did warn on profit in March 2023, uh, Shearwater did. It's some sort of cybersecurity uh, services uh, company. Now, Tops Tiles, Graham had a look at Q1 update. He's amber on this. Year on year weakness in Q1 revenues, but they don't seem to have changed the forecasts. Oh, this was an interesting one. I, I strayed into mid-caps. I had a look at JD Sports Fashion. That's JD Dot is the ticker. Now, it dropped 23%. This was, So it lost nearly $2 billion in market cap. Because I think it's a FTSE 100. Yes, it is. FTSE 100 sports retailer. Now, why are we looking at that in a small caps report, you might say? Well, I always do. Given that I used to be an FD in the retail space, I like to keep tabs on it, although my experience is now out of date. So I don't think I'm capable of picking the winners in the retailing sector. But uh, it just interests me. And also, I think we need to, we like to look at the... Uh, the updates in early January from the big retailers to get kind of general read across how the consumers are. And uh, JD Sports, um, it was actually profit warning, so it dropped 23%, which I think is a bit over the top. Now, have a look at today's Times, actually, because there's a very good article in there saying they think that JD Sports is coming under more competitive Pressures from Fraser's, which of course owns Sports Direct, and other, um, and and uh, Nike recently put out a profit warning. So it, I was, it surely wasn't a, a big leap 
to imagine that JD Sports might not put out a particularly good update either. So I was a bit surprised at the market reaction there. But anyway, I've looked at it and I think it's cheap, JD Sports fashion. It's got a fantastic long-term track record. They're opening stores at a phenomenal rate. It's international. A third UK, a third America and a third rest of the world, I suppose. So I think actually on PE of 10, it looks quite appealing. Oh, that was it. My point with JD Sports as well was the shares did tremendously well in November, December's everything rally, but then gave up the whole damn lot in one fell swoop on the 4th of January, which makes me think that this is increasingly likely evidence that the November, December big, big rally in lots of small and mid caps was completely indiscriminate. So that to me says you've got to be careful. It might be worth banking some profits on a lot of things that have gone up 30, 40 percent because they've got to put out a good or forecast beating update to hold that level. As I think JD Sports is a warning to us. It's saying, look, the market will really uh, punish any share that's had a big rally in Q4 of 2023 and then doesn't put out at least in line with expectations updates. So this, I think, is a warning. So let's all let's all be a bit careful. There's nothing wrong in top slicing, banking a bit of profit, you know, for some of the companies that have shot up in the last two months but haven't uh, yet given us an, uh, us an update. You know, I think you could see some sharp falls. So just be careful there. You can always buy them back, can't you? Oh, thanks also to Silver Fox, who kindly explained the put call liabilities on JD's uh, balance sheet, which I inquired about. Thank you for that. Oh, and another reader questioned where I'd said that even after the profit warning, profits would be up at JD Sports. I took those figures off the stock report, but sometimes they are adjusted by Thomson Reuters, the data provider. So the reader in question, sorry I can't find the actual post, said I might have got that wrong. So if I've got that wrong, I really, uh, I'm very sorry. I didn't really have time to check back to the actual accounts. I just used the figures off the stock report. So if that was wrong, apologies. Oh, and uh, several of the readers are criticising The Telegraph for tipping JD Sports uh, a couple of days before a profit warning. It's not their fault. You know, these these things happen. Um, You know, everybody uh, gets caught out every now and again with that sort of thing. I don't really look at newspaper or magazine tips myself, but if I do see them, I just think it might catch my eye and I think, well, that might be quite interesting. I'll then do my own research. So I'm not going to blame the journalist who flags up a share um, if it if it suddenly drops on a profit warning, because it's not their fault, is it? And ultimately, you know, I take responsibility for my own investing decisions, and we all need to not blame other people. Oh, David J Hill, who's one of our best uh, uh, commenters, flagged up Big Blue Broadband (BBB) as the ticker. Uh, he said that Christopher Mills keeps buying them and now owns twenty five percent. Uh, I did start having a quick look at Big Blue Broadband, uh, but I got distracted. And I, I think that one might be worth you having a look at. I don't have a particular view myself, but if Christopher Mills is buying it up, you know, we know how good they are at Harvard and his stable of companies at, at researching these things. So, uh, yeah, that, that one uh, might be worth a look. Thank you also to Martin VT, who flagged up a, a, um, a positive trading update buried in announcement from Sigma Rock SRC. Uh, results expected to be at least in line with market expectations. I didn't spot that one, so thank you, Martin, for flagging that up. Right, on to Friday's report, 5th of January 2024, which I wrote on my own, as always. Um, I got up ridiculously early, uh, about 4.30, and started work on Next, the obviously uh, bellwether, as we as Megan mentioned in her. She did a, an article about it today as well. Um, NXT, uh, sales through every crisis, doesn't it? Next does, doing brilliantly, making profit margins that other retailers apparel retailers can only dream of what a quality business we love it i'm a long-term fan of next as many of reg people who followed me for, for for a long time will know anyway it put out an update on thursday which i covered in friday's report so i got up early to to write it i really went through all the detail and uh, it looks very good ahead of expectations they've added um 20 million to the profit forecast it's a 19% profit before tax margin, which is just incredible. Uh, the growth has all come from online, which surprised me. Um, now, the macro comments. This is the most interesting bit. Let me scroll down. 
they flagged up positive factors, wages rising faster than prices. Well, again, that's what I've been on about for a while now, so it's great to have it confirmed by the sector leader clothing retailer. Uh, Zero inflation in our selling prices. Now, that really surprised me. They said basically factory gate prices are now static or falling, which, and obviously sterling's recovered and is pretty stable now against the dollar. So uh, it doesn't actually mention that, but that's the, that's the case. So they're saying they don't need to put through any further selling price rises. Uh, that's very encouraging for the macro picture. Oh, actually, something I've just remembered about JD Sports. They said the market's become more promotional. That means they're having to offer discounts to sell product. That, again, is good macroeconomically. Consumers are forcing retailers to to discount, to lower prices, which means that we should see the rate of inflation uh, continue its downward trajectory. I'll come on to that in a minute, but there's some more general points. So zero inflation selling prices from next. Uh, uh, they said that's the first time in three years input prices have been stable. And also on the overall consumer uh, fa- uh, environment, Next says, on the face of it, the consumer environment looks more benign than it has for a number of years. How about that? That, I think, is very interesting, isn't it? Again, that can very much confirms my uh, positive outlook for the macroeconomic picture in Britain this year. I think, you know, it's it's good to be collecting evidence that confirms that I seem to be on the right lines with my bullish view for the economy. Now, risk factors, it says uh, the weakening of the employment market could... Um, could uh, affect consumer confidence. Higher mortgage rates, of course, although that as a risk factor is easing as fixed rates are going down, and supply chain risks regarding the Suez Canal. So overall then, a pretty upbeat um, report from Next. So I love their bit about um, condemning EBITDA as well. Funnily enough, I'm having an ongoing discussion with that about one small cap where they said, well, we've got to go along with the convention. I said, but people don't want it. People want to just, you know, profit and earnings per share. Why not give EBITDA profit and earnings per share in your in your, in your your guidance? What's, what's the problem? Just tell us all the numbers, then everyone's happy. So anyway, but it's great to see Next pushing back on EBITDA saying it's not reality, so we're not going to do it. Good for them. Clarkson, the big shipping company, 1.1 billion market cap. I covered it because it was ahead of expectations. Trading update. I've always been unsure about this share because I just don't understand the sector. But I, I couldn't keep marking it amber because it keeps upping its forecasts. So I've moved to green just based on the facts, figures and forecasts as of today. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Same with all shares. PE of about 12 or 13. Uh, nice balance sheet. But, but remember, most of the cash is going to be paid out in staff bonuses. So that's a point I, I stress. But I, I, I'm being really impressed by the updates from Clarkson. Uh, this is the latest of a series of big increases in, um, in, in forecasts. So good for them. Clarkson seems to be doing very well. Shipping services, services shipping broking group. Finally, I looked at Revolution Bars, RBG, uh, and I did emphasise people mistakenly think I'm a perma bull on this, which I'm not. I see it as a trading share. Um, could go either way. And my view's unchanged. It's a, it's a special, special situation. Shares dropped 22... High risk. There's far too much bank debt. They did a crazy deal to buy peach pubs right at the top of the market just before interest rates shot up. So ridiculous decision. But a lot of, of us think it was a bit of a life raft for management because the core chain at Revolution Bars, I think, is really, really struggling. Now, they did put out quite a, a, a reassuring Christmas update. 9% like-for-likes over the peak four weeks. So I was a bit surprised the shares dropped 22%, but it's only a penny from 5.25p or something to 4.25. As I say, I'm not currently holding. Coincidentally, I sold them a couple of days earlier purely to raise money to buy Plexus. It wasn't a d- decision based on... And I didn't have that many anyway, only about 10 grand's worth. So uh, it, it, would I buy back in? Not at the moment. Um, I think uh, the jury's out. The problem with bars is that hospitality is that the, the staff wages are about 35% of revenues. So this huge hike, I think it's about 11 or 12% for Revolution Bars, huge hike in living wage in April, is going to clobber them again. Uh, and they're only, you know, they're trading at a small loss. But if you reverse out the depreciation charge, uh, it is still generating cash. Um, bank debt came down. There's lots of moving parts here, and I've I've said, you know, 
My view's unchanged. It's a high-risk special situation. It could go bust, or it could need another emergency fundraise. Those are the downside scenarios. Or it could start trading better, and somebody or somebody might come in and bid for it. Because at £10 million market cap, the equity is just a call option, really. Um, and, of course, the buyer doesn't have to repay the bank debt. The bank debt might be happy. Well, they would. the bank would be happy if a, if a company with a bigger, uh, stronger covenant comes in and buys Revolution Bar, then the bank debt ceases to be an issue. So, it, look, it could go either way. I just don't have a strong view either way on Revolution Bars. So I've marked it amber-red, which was the same as I marked it in October, and I was amber back in July. So we haven't been bullish on this for a while. We've um, just saying, look, it could go either way. Yeah, there's been quite a lot of uh, general macro news this week I jotted down. So freight costs rising, we've already talked about container freight. Um, That might fuel slightly higher inflation later this year, possibly, I wonder. We'll keep an eye on that. Now, the Times said that supermarket inflation has slowed to 6.7%, still quite high, but really going in the right direction. I think from memory, didn't it peak at about 20%? Uh, I mean, I've noticed myself, my uh, my regular shops in Asda, it's getting a lot more reasonable now. And you can you can cherry pick the the cheaper items, can't you? Consumers control inflation. That's the thing. As with JD Sports, if you refuse to pay the higher prices, it forces them to discount because they've got the next season stock coming in. They have to shift everything. Um, so I think let's keep the pressure on retailers ourselves by not buying things if we think they've been overpriced. Now, this the payments companies have had a field day over the last two or three years because the banks have sort of turned their back on a lot of uh, a lot of um, international payments type business. Well, I saw HSBC is l- launching an app called Zing. Z-I-N-G. I do wonder, is this the beginning of the fight back uh, by the major banks against uh, Wise and Revolut were mentioned, the challenger banks, but you could maybe also look at Argentix, Equals, Cornerstone, FSS. I don't know. There's a lot of these payments companies around. So I'm only raising the question. I don't know the answer. Some people think, oh, this Zing thing by HSBC is just a way of jumping on the bandwagon and rebranding its existing services. But I don't know. I'm just um, curious. What do you think? Uh, Water companies are in a real mess. I'm wondering if it's worth shorting those. I don't short myself, but um, they seem to be in an impossible situation. Uh, Now, I've noted here, people are more comfortable buying shares at higher prices. Why? Why weren't we buying in September, October last year when everything was bombed out? And yet people are scurrying into rushing to buy shares that are now 20, 30 percent higher. Doesn't make sense. So let's refocus, I think, on buying the dips rather than buying the rallies. Now, good PMIs, the purchasing manager indexes, the indices, these are uh, widely recognised as good forward looking indicators. They're surveys of business confidence. They were very strong in, in, in December for the UK economy. Looks like the UK, UK economy could be entering a period of outperformance, which will really annoy the people who constantly like to slag us off, uh, which is a great thing as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I also looked at the GFK consumer confidence figures, which are always negative, but they're in a very clearly improving trend, you know. And the key one for me is people's outlook for their own personal financial situation for the next 12 years, uh, 12 months, and that is pretty much flat, which is good. Um, So... I think this all reinforces my view that the macro outlook is improving and is quite significantly positive, I think. You might have a few more months of profit warnings first, but, you know, in April, when all these big wage and benefits rises kick in, I think you're going to, that is going to, well, that's clearly going to be a massive stimulus to the economy. We saw the same thing last year. So I'm very upbeat about the UK economic outlook this year. And I cannot understand why um, some other commentators seem to be so gloomy when you've got all this positive forward-looking data. You know, are they not looking at the forward-looking data? I don't know. I don't understand it. So now I've said here, this I wrote at the beginning beginning of the week, the rally in the last two months has been ridiculous, so we could have a short-term sell-off, a bit of a retrace. Um, but I'll also, when there's been a massive uh, rise in everything, I look for the laggards. I look for good companies, small companies that haven't risen in the rally, and that's been quite lucrative in the past. What else? JD Sports, yeah, we've, we've covered that. 
Uh, oh, does it matter that another company called TUI, the holiday company, does it matter that it's leaving the London market, London stock market? I don't know. Tell me what you think. I mean, it's a German company. It has a dual listing in Frankfurt and London, and most of the trade goes through in Frankfurt. So they're ditching the London listing, which... Does it really matter to me? I don't think it does. And basically, the brokers these days on commissions, they make very little in commissions anyway. Um, does it matter that the London market's shrinking, the stock market? I don't know. What? Tell me what you think. Now, Sainsbury's is giving a 9% pay rise to its staff, which is a huge amount, given that inflation's now down to 3.9%, probably going to drop further, maybe to 3% or something. That's a 6% real terms increase Sainsbury's is giving its staff. Good for them, I say, but it's costing them $200 million. Um, all extra demand going into the economy. Is it going to fuel a bit uh, higher inflation, though? We don't know. And... Um, Next, I've covered... Now, the 10-year gilt, I vaguely keep an eye on, is down to only 3.7%. That's uh, really encouraging. And sterling is steady as well, all of which is pointing to lower uh, base rates and lower inflation. So, the, again, the macro backdrop looks pretty good to me, or much improved anyway, should we say. That might be a better description. And interest, there was an article in one of the papers, I think driven by something from the Resolution Foundation, whoever they are, probably one of these think tanks. You've got to be so careful with think tanks because, you know, they're there to manipulate. They're there to represent somebody's interests who's paying them to get out there and plant these ideas with the journalists and with the politicians. They're lobbying groups, aren't they? So anyway, but they said um, it's boosted... Uh, savers are getting um, substantial credit interest now, which has given them a £16 billion boost, when, of course, the higher mortgage costs haven't really kicked in fully yet. So actually higher interest rates, arguably, and one of the readers pointed this out a while ago, the higher interest rates are actually an economic boost at the moment overall because savers are getting uh, more interest than... um, than the the mortgage borrowers, which is deferred. I thought that was an interesting point. And Halifax reckoned that house prices went up 1.7% last year. I don't believe it. I just don't believe the figures. But anyway, that's what the Halifax are saying. They've certainly dropped in Bournemouth, that's for sure. Um, Of course, real incomes have risen a lot, so housing is actually becoming more affordable. And have a look at Bournemouth. It's cheap uh, down here. And uh, as long as you don't get into the town centre on a Friday or Saturday night, it's reasonably civilised most of the time. And you've got a 15-mile beach in Bournemouth Bay to walk along all year round. So uh, and get a nice two-bedroom flat for 240 grand. So, yeah, yeah, we'll move down to Bournemouth. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, and just to, uh, to finish off with an inspirational quote. Can't remember who told me this, but I loved it. Apparently it's a quote from Einstein who famously apparently said, uh, learn from the past, live for today, and hope for the future. Isn't that lovely? I thought we're trying to be as positive as we can in the new year. I don't know how long it'll last. But anyway, I thought that was a really nice quote. So I'll leave that with you. And thanks again for all your support. The listenership is growing. We're up to about 2,500 listens per week now, which I'm really, really pleased with. used to be about 1,000. Uh, so yeah, I did 52 episodes last week, last year, and uh, I'll keep them coming. Thank you for all your support. Really appreciate it. Okay, bye for now. Bye.